I have a funny story about that. And I think this is a perfect example of heaven here now. Cut it out if it's not appropriate. <laughs> here we go. Yeah, so we, several years ago, founded an organization called The Gathering People, and the mission of The Gathering People is gathering people to bring heaven here now. Well, and I don't think you have to be a religious person to say, I want to leave this world better than I found it. Right. So it's one of those things where it's the difference of, you know, doing something here. Welcome to the Heaven Here Now podcast, where some former pastors and their friends talk about the radical shift that happens in life when we stop viewing heaven as something that we can only experience someday far away, and we start seeing heaven as something that we are called to create and sustain here and now, in our own lives, our own towns, and with our own people, the power of local love and action. In a world where problems seem to grow bigger and more complex every day, we love to focus on the individuals and organizations who are leading in love on a local level and bringing about real, tangible change. So every week on this podcast, we'll explore what this idea of Heaven Here Now means with guests. And then we'll share stories of ordinary people around the world using their unique gifts and passion to bring Heaven Here Now in their context. Finally, we'll discuss the ways that their story connects to our stories and the challenges and opportunities in our own communities. I'm Jesse Dukes, one of your hosts, and on today's inaugural episode, I invite my good friend Shelby Barker to hang out with me and take a trip down memory lane where we are going to explore the origin story of this idea of Heaven Here Now. Shelby and I worked together for over 10 years in ministry, and as we look back, We remember that this shift to heaven here now wasn't something that was radical or immediate as it was happening. It was slow, small, and gradual, which is probably a pretty good thing because if we'd known what we were in for, I don't know that any of us would have actually signed up for this ride. We're gathering people to bring heaven here now. Thanks for coming along on the journey with us. Shelby, how's it going, man? What's up? How are you doing? I am doing pretty good. So I am here with my good friend and past coworker, Shelby Barker. And we're going to attempt to, this is going to be, I think, the first episode of the Heaven Here Now podcast. Nice. How do you feel to, do you feel to be such a, an honored guest? I feel great. Uh, does my voice sound different? I'm coming over COVID. That's why we're doing this via Zoom. <laughs> we have no idea how the sound quality is going to be. But we're thinking yeah, you, it's you sound you sound like I've heard you sound before. So. Okay, good. Yeah, but if if you say anything that uh, is heretical, we could just chalk it up to COVID. And say, yeah, that's right. I feel more nasally now, but that's okay. I needed yeah. to get a little higher pitched. Mm-hmm. I was getting too manly for my own good, if you know what I'm saying. Well, you already have that beard. You know that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's about right. as manly as it comes. So yes. it's something something needed to take the edge off a little bit. Yep. Hey, so Shelby, I got a question. Um, you and I started some of this movement because we were on staff at a church together. Gosh, what was that? Seven years ago, eight years ago? Gosh, that seemed COVID years. Yeah, about seven. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, so I was thinking you and I could kind of go through some of the origin story of this idea yeah. of, heaven, of heaven here now. So in the, in the intro, I talk about the, the radical shift 
that happens when you stop viewing heaven as something that might happen, you know, one day far away. It's yeah. something that we can create here and now. But um, as, as I was going back and thinking through the story, I realized that it wasn't a radical shift for us. It was a lot of kind of very small, gradual uh, shifts that we kind of went through. So I wanted to, to throw it right. off, throw it to you first and just say, when you look back and look for kind of the seeds and the starting point of the idea of heaven here now, like what comes up for you? What do you remember or see? I think the thing that really hit home the first time we were in that conference in Savannah, Next Level, was that what it's called? Next yep. Level. And it was like my first church conference. And so I was just eating it up. And uh, I don't know who the speaker was. I, I can find that out. But um, he came out and, you know, whenever you are at a church conference, what happens is they introduce the person. This person grew a church of 200 to 5,000 in the span of five years. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, sitting on the edge it's of the seat. So important. Excited. This is amazing. Right. Yeah. And we, we were at a church that had grown pretty significantly, right. um, pretty quick. I think it was on the top 20 list or top five or 50 or something. Of, of mid-sized churches. <laughs> of mid-sized <laughs> churches south of Atlanta. Right. Uh, we With an odd, odd number in their area, yes. area code. Yeah. Um, but so we, you know, and that's kind of how they introduced, but this, this one guy was introduced a little bit differently. And it was specifically about how many unchurched people um, was attending the church. And when he came out, you know, when you're talking about unchurched or dechurched people, people that have walked away from the church altogether, you typically, like, if you're going to be a, a, a pastor that's attractive to them, I had something in my mind. It was like this guy at the time, which is old now, but at the time I was like, this guy has to have the tattoos and <laughs> at the time wear the skinny jeans and so edgy, so edgy. And, uh, now if people saw that they'd run away, but at the time that was edgy. And the guy that came out, was the opposite of that. I mean, it was maybe a, a 60 some year old man and um, just really caring like a grandfather figure. And I was like, okay, what's going on here? And he shared some pretty unique numbers uh, and the number that stood out to me and has just continued to motivate me. And I think a lot of us um, was the 96% number, which said that 96% um, of church growth in America is transfer growth. And so uh, people leave church A and go to church B and church B is celebrating that as if they've grown the kingdom of God. But in reality, they're just, it's the same pond, you know, yeah. Rich Chan talks about, yeah, there's borrowing people. And so um, that like flipped the switch in me of like, okay, when I, at the time I was a youth pastor and so I was looking at youth ministry, like, where am I getting these youth kids? Am I getting excited when new youth kids that walk in? And they're really just from church, you know, down the road, but we had a better program. So they decided to come over and hang with us for the day. And so that changed my like philosophy of the youth ministry. And um, it really got rid of the desire to like do programming to get people to come. And that's where I really started. It started to chip away of my version of what heaven looks like at the time, you know, mm. um, for like the church world, I think. Uh, my default position would be heaven would look like really good music on a Sunday morning and the places uh, packed full. In fact, I remember in the church world, you know, when Easter happened or Christmas Eve happened and man, we had to get the overflow rooms. Like the energy was so different. We were so mm -hmm. pumped and it felt like the week after, like that was a high, that was heaven. There's not much right. better than that. Right. 
And reality, man, they're so much better than that. And so I saw that in youth ministry. And the cool thing about my position there was I had youth ministry. So I had a lot of flexibility to try different things and stuff. Um, and I really started to see some more glimpses of heaven when I shifted. And we had a lot of conversations about this, but shifted the focus on from like numbers and stuff, which, you know, is never really the focus, but kind of under the tone, uh, undertone is. And I shifted it to lots of relationships. So I like brought the ministry to the people where they are, the students where they are and stuff, and, and really tried to, to, you know, make relationships with people that the church has kind of forgot. So an example of that would be, you know, FCA is an awesome ministry. But awesome who's, Christian athletes. Yes. Uh, FCA typically re reaches out to the athletes in the school. And so my thought was like, okay, well, who's reaching out to like the theater kids or that dorky kid in the corduroys at a, a pool party. And so that's uh, kind of who I wanted to uh, try to reach out to and stuff. So I say all that, I, it took a really long time to get there. And that was just like a sliver of something, mm. you know, and you and I started having conversations are like, okay, we know that heaven is bigger than Sunday mornings. We don't know what it is yet, but let's experiment some in our different ministries. And we tried a bunch of different things, but I think your question was like, what started it? I think for me was that number because we know, and you, if you belong to the church, you know, this is true. Like if 96% of church growth in America is transfer growth, the amount of people that are new followers or have left the church and are coming back completely that number is just dwindling so so the, yeah and so that that's like what motivated me like okay well, well, what is it then what is heaven here now what because the church is supposed to be a glimpse of that so like what is the thing that we're supposed to go after and so that began a long process of hard <laughs> heartache and uh and challenges and stuff to to kind of get to uh where you all are now well and i i think that one of the other, if I remember correctly, one of the other things that came out of that conference was uh, kind of this idea and awareness that the things that were compelling to people and that brought people in, like the messages, um, that we're seeing a change. And, you know, I think we've talked about this before, is that a lot of the message that that uh, resonates with that 97% who are like, I'm, I'm going to 96%, I'm going to church regardless. It's like the animating message behind it was uh, not hell there right. then. Right. It was like the concept of, of the solution in the world was like the message would go like this. Um, you've, you've done wrong, right? And so you're going to go to hell, but you can not go to hell, right? <laughs> and, and so here's this idea and this image of you can go to heaven, but it's some place that happens like way out there and, you know, on another plane in another place. Um, and it's going to happen in the future. And one of the things that I remember from that conference was they talked about, you know, the next generation uh, being driven by a cause, you know, by, by this, yeah. by, a, by a hope for something that connected to like to their real world, to their day-to-day -day life, to something that they saw in their community. And I just remember when we were working in the church, that was still really foreign. Yeah. Like that, that concept of, well, I mean, who, who cares what's happening in your community? Like it's all going to burn up one day. So, you know, like what's the, what's the big deal? And I remember we were, I had, we were, we were sitting at a, a table and for lunch and that same thing came up and we were talking about issues in the world. And the person sitting across from us said, ah, 
it's all going to end. Yeah, we we know the outcome. So why why worry about this? Yeah, it's time that you almost saw like my head explode. <laughs> yes, yeah. Because I, I realized that there is there's nothing more frustrating. I'd find this attitude, you know, with believers that would just kind of be, it would it was like, well, yeah, this place is rough, and um, we just need Jesus to come in and kind of parachute us out of here. You know, like do it do a medevac, and mm. you know. I, stinks for especially older people because they'd just be like, "Well, I'm about to die, but yeah. you know, I, oh, I'm going to be with Jesus." And it's just—it was a lack of concern for the here and now. Yeah. Uh, and and so I thought, you know, we could let's just kind of go through some of these shifts because I think that there that this was kind of, if I remember correctly, how it went—the difference between heaven versus not hell. Yeah. You know, and then the difference between here, focusing on like the here and now versus there, some, you know, far off place. And then we could talk about the difference of when you focus on now, uh, my immediate reality versus uh, then. And so, you know, when you think of focusing on heaven versus not hell, what is that? Where do you, what's that shift that you see? Yeah, I think it's the, it's the tension between I'm going to church to avoid hell and I want to be a part of a community to experience heaven. And we knew that the Sunday morning, although it's great, it serves a lot of you know great things. It was fundamental in both of our faiths. It, it, it wasn't necessarily a glimpse of heaven all the time. At least I hope there's more to heaven than just a Sunday morning experience. And, and so, so much of you know, it's so, so much of the Sunday morning experience is guilt ridden of, like you said, of like, right. I have to go to Sunday morning to avoid going to hell. Um, and so it really took a lot of us to like chip away at that. Okay, so let's get to the next phase. Um, Sunday morning can be, or the church community can be so much bigger than just avoiding hell. Yeah. We are meant to do something else, do something bigger than that. And so we had to wrestle with, like you said, this idea of cause. Uh, cause versus, you know, being connected to a cause versus a community. And I like that you brought that up because look across the world right now, like, uh, you know, I go back to my student ministry days, like this next generation that's coming up. One thing you can, you can say a lot of things about them, but one thing that you can say about them is uh, they are almost passionate to a fault. You know, they want to get behind things. They want to do the right thing. Now, sometimes that leads them down the wrong path, but their hearts, they want to do the right thing. And I think that's built in the majority of humans. We want to do the right thing for people. And we wanted, and so what you saw when we first started experimenting with this some stuff, we had people who were non-believers that were willing to engage in the community that we were establishing, all an idea of doing, we started doing these things called go days. And so people who are non-believers that would never set foot in church on Sundays but they were starting to participate in these go day things. Um, and the go day, the go day process is just us going out in the community and finding families that need help and don't ask questions. And we just did it. We just helped them. And so that started a long time ago. And I think we didn't even know what we had back then. Yeah. Um, but that was, I think that's where it started to flip for me. We're like, okay, this person would never walk in our church. Even if we did the coolest event possible, we had a helicopter Easter egg drop. We did laser tag, paintball, whatever it is. This person's never going to walk in our church, but here we are going to go build a ramp for a little old lady who needs help. And here they are walking in and saying, you know, sign me up for that. I want to do that. 
Well, and there's, I think, like you said, the underlying energy of not hell is, is fear. Yes. You know, it's like, it's this, it's, it's leveraging fear of, you know, man, what, what if this bad thing happens? And I remember, I, I do know that the Bible project was a big yeah. part of that shift for me because it's like, they highlight how, if you go back and read the story, so much of what theology, and, and again, if you're not a religious person listening to this, maybe you're like, this is more theology than I care about. But I think this is why this specifically matters. It's, there's been a very pervasive idea that the starting point of the human story is like original sin. You know, like humans are just messed up. They're broken. Uh, they're, you know, they, they hurt people. They can't keep the rules. Um, and it's, it's, it's not that that's not true, but that's not the beginning of the story that the Bible tells. Mm. Like the beginning of the story that the Bible tells is that people were blessed by God to be creators and sustainers of good. Yeah. Like that, they, that the story isn't of people escaping this world to go to heaven. It's the flip side of God coming into earth to partner with humans to create something here and now. And it's so like you were mentioning on go days, it's such a different experience where instead of saying, instead of running away from the world to say, man, there's, you know, there's so many problems here. And, um, you know, this is, this is just the worst, uh, but we have an escape route. It's what if, what if we created something? What if it looked at the problems around us and we believe that it was our job or at least on our opportunity to start to create heaven as opposed to avoiding hell hmm. and that's yeah. that's just a different energy yeah and 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 love is a good motivator so you think about those people i talked about that were willing to participate in a community of faith that weren't believers their entire life it was like guilt-led invitation right this was a love-based invitation and it wasn't a love-based invitation of like come and someday you'll be able to be a part of this. It was like, Hey, we need your help right now. Right. Like it's the kingdom of God isn't waiting for you to go jump through some certain hoops, come and participate. So pick up a hammer. Yeah. And this so right that, now. so that, that's a great point. I'm thinking about that next shift between, you know, from there, yeah. not hell there then to now. And, and we've talked about this a little bit already, but it's, it's the biggest problem that I, that we both encountered in the church model is the big event like heaven happens like there in this specific place yes like you have to you have to go you have to go there you know you have to go to the church building right it's like it's this idea of sacred spaces and hmm. and it's so it's it's wild because this creates so many problems right when 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 all of my energy has to can't be unleashed until I'm in a specific place. It puts a ton of pressure on that place. I mean, I remember very clearly, I saw this when I was uh, working as a youth pastor also, because youth pastors get all the, they get no respect, <laughs> yes. you know, like they're so like everybody's whipping bag and uh, whipping boy and punching bag. Um, and I was standing up against a wall at a church and mind you, we're in a gym. Like this is not like, you know, St. Paul's cathedral. Right. Like this is not some elegant temple Right. We're in a, a multi-purpose building that there's, there's, it's literally a gym. There's basketball goals, whatever. And this uh, older gentleman, you know, comes up to me and says, you know, boy, 
put your feet off the wall. You're in God's house. Hmm. Yep. And, and I, I just remember like in that moment being like, this is so messed up. Like there's something fundamentally wrong with this idea that if God lives in this house, number one, he needs a much better realtor. Right? <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> because, I've been to that house before. Yes, he definitely does. Yeah, there's lots of there's lots of very poor, you know, houses. All the cool ones are in, you know, Europe where there's yes. a lot more thought put into them. But you know, the, the the challenge is is if God, you know, lives there, now all of these, you know, rules and regulations and you know what you can do in that space and what you can't do you know in that right. space start to come up and sadly so many times like the issues made it made it much harder to actually help people mm. i remember you know the kids would be like playing basketball or doing something just being kids right you're trying to introduce them to, to jesus introduce them to hope and it's like you can't do that in here you know those kind of things and i'm sure anyone who's been in church leadership has experienced the tension of this thing i I remember one time we had this big thing called d now in the community and d now uh is unique in this area because it's a bunch of different denominations that come together that did it and so there was maybe 1200 students that were all coming together spent a whole weekend it's kind of like a youth conference thing and we had a really good group of students that went And what we did is on Sunday morning, we would, uh, you know, that's the day all the parents would pick up. So we would invite the parents to come to our service. That's a little good advertisement ploy there. You're like, come come here. Little little bait and switch, get them them hooked in. (laughs) Come here, pick up your students. And our students are sitting in the front two rows. They're exhausted. They're dead. They've been awake forever. We had this one student that, um, you know, we, we just been trying to get to come, trying to get to come. She had a really bad, really tough upbringing she was physically or sexually abused by one of her family members i mean it just was uh, just really tough such drugs in the house physical abuse that type of stuff she came and uh man she god just was working on her and it was so cool we show up on sunday she's exhausted she walks in the sanctuary and just puts her head over and just kind of like is dozing off in the front i go up to one of the leaders and i'm like hey you know isn't this awesome look at it Look at all these students here. It's so cool. We had, you know, 1,200 students from the community that spent their weekend learning about God and, and doing this whole thing. And, and his response was like, yeah, but when are you going to teach them to take their hoods off in the sanctuary? And it just ripped my heart out. And it just, it's, it's a complete swing and miss of what the kingdom of heaven looks like. It takes the kingdom of heaven and puts it in a place when you leverage the, when you leverage a building or uh, any, any certain room or sacred space like that, you're limiting the kingdom of heaven to those four walls. And like you said, good grief, there's a lot better place. Arrowhead Stadium is a better place than that <laughs> room right there. Have a worship service there, yes, yes. right. And, and it just misses it where the kingdom of God is so much bigger than that. And I think that started to transition us. Okay, so much, of, I mean, we were, we were about to build a new space when we were at that place, right? Yeah, and our right. we were pumped up about it. So we were very so excited. excited about it. Yep. Yeah, you know, like like man, this is this is coming. Like this is it. Think we, of all the stuff we could do here. Yes. Yeah. And we used right. it. We we leveraged it as if it was God blessing our ministry because we were growing so much because everything was happening. In reality, man, behind the scenes, what was going on underneath? It's like we were missing what the kingdom of heaven was really like. 
And so it, it, those little things like that just chip away. And I mean, you know, my story, my first time ever walking into a youth group, I had a hat on like I do now. And some guy knocked my hat off and he said, no, no hats in here, boy. And it's like that moment, I was like, okay, well, this person has no desire. And I, I get there's some, like, I still take my hat off for whenever the national anthem is going on. That's a choice. Like I'm making the conscious decision. I wasn't there yet. That student wasn't there yet. And like, when we leverage those things over people, what you just completely miss what the kingdom of God is. Well, and, and here's, here's the other part of it. And this was, I'll admit, this was a big, you know, shift for me too, because, and it was, a th- it was another theological one. So in people get confused because the Bible isn't just something that you can necessarily like grab little bits and pieces from and like extract it out. Like it's a story. Hmm. It is a, it is a narrative about about what god's doing in the world and in the beginning in the in in the beginning like in the early parts of the story it absolutely was in a space right like god god lived in a temple like it was a hey and it has to be done this way and there were really strict rules i don't know if no hats was one of them but i don't think it was but i'm sure that they allowed flat build hats right naturally exactly (laughs) maybe maybe no beanies yes right so it's it's like there were certainly these rules about creating that separation to say, hey, you're on, you're in a sacred space, right? And if you're going to approach, you know, a holy transcendent God, you know, maybe don't be in your pajamas or whatever, something like right. that. So you get that, but people miss that that's not the end of the story. Yes. And the crazy, you know, unbelievable end of the story that people still, I mean, I, it's still awe-inspiring when I think about it, is that the, the temple, the sacred space that God had in mind that God that really is the place where God's spirit is intended to like take up residence is in a human person. Yeah. Right. Like, and specifically like in a group of uh, Jesus followers who, you know, who, who all have this thing, you know, called the spirit of God. And, and when you, that's just what's so fascinating that in the name of protecting a physical space, somebody will, go to a, to a literal temple of God, you know, right. a person right. and, and mistreat them and exclude them, you know, be derogatory. Like it, it's such an adventure and missing the point. Yep. You yep. know, and, and so that shift to, to here where it's like my journey with God and the possibility for heaven always starts here like yes. in, inside of me. I feel like that's such a massive shift. Yes. When we say have it here now, we're not talking about heaven here in wherever town you live. We're talking about, I like what you're saying, it's, it's inside of us, heaven here inside of us now. And that kind of pours out of our life elsewhere. Yeah. Um, that is, man, as a, a church leader, I know that I've messed that up, right? And, and I think that... Um, your, your pride and your ego really, it's, it's hard to navigate. If you're in church leadership, that's hard to navigate because it's one, it's, we found this out when we started the gathering, it's easier if you have a building. Yep. It's just easier. Now, yeah. not financially, it's not easier, <laughs> no. but logistically it is easier. Right. Um, and it feels good. It feels like you have a, like a, a place to call your own. Right. And, but there it's, when that becomes the main thing, man, that's it. And it's so easy to say, oh, it's not the main thing. 
Right. Then you look up and you're like, oh crap, we've well, lost. And I want to highlight another one of like a, a shift that maybe people aren't aware of that, that I think you might only see when you kind of go behind the curtain of, of making, of operating a sacred space. Yeah. Right. So when, when the space is sacred and the, the, like the service time is sacred, all of your energy has to go into maintaining that space yeah. at the exclusion of maintaining the real space. Yes. And that is the part that I just saw over and over and over again are people who are, are like, you know, church leaders. And I, yeah, we were in that same place of investing so much time and energy and upkeep to keep that space, you know, pure and holy and, you know, exciting and relevant and alive and all this other kind of stuff. While internally you're burnout, you know, you're overworked, you're, you're anxious, you're upset. And then like your family life, you know, like the, the here closest to you, that place is a mess. Yeah. Right. And it creates this feedback loop because then you get shame about being like, well, you know, we create this amazing environment, you know, and maybe I don't belong. And it, yeah. it just gets so toxic really quick. And it's so anti, I mean, even the, the temple system, I mean, originally the temple system was mobile. So there's one thing. And then, and the second element of that was there was entire groups of people whose does, whose job, whose duty was maintaining the temple system, not to go and maintain the public, but maintain the holiness of the temple. And uh, now it's pastors, you got to do everything, including literally like install new toilets and do this and do that. And which eh, that's not for me. Uh, I have a flooded ceiling to prove it right now in my house, but um, and it just puts more weight. Like you said, it stretches you thin. And so many of our leadership conversations, and I've heard this, we've read books on this. So many, well, in fact, I don't even want to use my example. Let's, let's use, uh, I don't remember what book this was. So if you remember, help me out. But um, there was a church that was in the coast somewhere and there was a hurricane coming and they were calling to evacuate the area. But the church had to make a decision because they didn't want to close down because if they closed down, they wouldn't get the, the tithes that week and they had to pay the bills, the light bills, the mortgage. And so they were trying to wrestle through making this decision of risking people's lives to come in the church that Sunday or paying the bills for the mortgage and stuff. And so, I, like I said, when, when you have a building, every church on earth is going to say the building isn't the main thing man if it's not the main thing it's it is close to it because it's such a big element of your life you're there every single day it's like like okay my house isn't my main thing but man i gotta have my job to pay my mortgage right you know i gotta make sure that uh you know it's uh, i gotta mow the lawn so it looks good like it's just such a sticky situation so i think that honestly the original question of like trying to chip away at what the kingdom looks like so much so much of me coming to faith and getting into ministry and stuff i was i was kind of like leaning on like my own i didn't know this but my own little kingdom of like what does our plot of land look like and the stuff that happens here on this plot of land how many people are coming to my program that are on my plot of land okay now we've grown Let's expand. Let's figure out how to use this plot of land the best. And so 
I'm building my own little kingdom as church leadership there. That's not the king. That's not the kingdom of God. And that's not heaven here now. So. And uh, the other thing that I was just reminded of too is, again, it's very difficult to get out of that narrative and story of God's trying to take people out of, out of earth into heaven. Hmm. Right. And, and heaven is as far away. It's up in the clouds. Yep. It's in some other dimension, you know, those kind of things. Um, and I remember this is a, a, a big part of when I think of the shift. Uh, I read a book called Surprised by Hope uh, by N.T. Wright. And it, it blew me away because it was all about how the Christian hope is, is heaven uniting with earth. It's, it's God coming down here. And, and the whole central idea of like the incarnation is, you know, is God has his sacred space, his far away, you know, his, you know, cool upper room, you know, laboratory control center, whatever it is, you know, that's up there. Um, but we can't get there. You know, it's like you think about the Hamilton thing. I want to be in the room where it happened. We can't get into that room. Right. But the, the amazing news that, that we get, and again, this is still a radical shift that I don't know that many people really associate with Jesus is it's the opposite, hmm. right? It's, it's the incarnation of, of God being like, I'm going to come into your here and now, like I'm going to knock on your door exactly as it is, right? Like whatever, wherever your mess is, wherever your, you know, state of your life is. And that's just so much more compelling because how many times have you invited somebody to church and they're like, oh man, that place would, you know, cave in, you know, if I walked in there. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, you know, I've heard it like lightning will strike, you know, before I go into that place and they're, they're, they're feeling like shame, you know, I couldn't go in there. Yeah. But that swap that happens, it's like, no, man, but like heaven can start exactly in your here, yeah. you know, in, in your family. And, and, and I just think that's so much more compelling and it's led to a lot, like you connected it back to go day, you know, that shift for us about, about instead of asking people to come to us, <laughs> making where we go to them, yeah, uh, it's it's huge. And uh, and, and but the other part of that shift um, was we had to we had to be willing to give up a a then, like a specific time, and to say, oh, it's it's this can only you know happen then, and to open up to this idea of now. Yeah. That like right, right in the moment, um, God, you know, this idea of, of heaven is, is possible. And I admit, I, this is the one that I think is this because it's kind of the latest thing. Like this is where we really struggled Sunday morning between nine and 11, you know, yeah. or nine to nine to 12. Like that's the then. Yep. Like in our in our culture, that is the that's the time that, you know, the portal opens you know, and, yep, and, 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 you know, the heavens part and you can commune with God. And, uh, and it's a, you know, it's a huge part of our culture, but so many times when you have a, a not hell there, then mindset, what happens when that time window closes hmm. is people become, you know, something totally different. Yeah. You know, they, they, like, you just, it's like, I'm off the clock, you know, <laughs> it's like, see you next Sunday. 
Um, you know, yeah. I, I'm just glad the scripture lays out that Jesus only taught one day a week right. in one certain spot. And that right. really made it clear for us. Uh, no, I think that, dude, that's the last, well, every time I, we stumble through one of these uh, things we got to let go of, uh, we come out the other side and say, oh, we got one more thing. <laughs> yeah, so. right. So our, our original, you know, kind of one of our mantras was letting go of religion and rediscovering Jesus. And turns out religion's hard to let go it of. It is, man. It is. I, I think one of the things that I, I want to make sure we talk about, and it goes to the time, it, it kind of encompasses this whole thing. And one of the staff meetings, we were sitting there and we started asking, like, what is the win? What are we trying to do? And you know, we were talking about like discipleship. We were talking about, you know, people becoming all in followers of Jesus and, and so many things like we can control or some of the things we, we think we can control, but in reality, we can't control them. Um, you know, attendance was obviously a, kind of the subcurrent of that whole conversation, uh, giving that type of stuff. And those are just pressures. I mean, that's a business, right? You, you're, you're running that stuff. Mm -hmm. And in that, in that context, that's what, that's what's there. It's just the undertone. Um, but somewhere along the way, we came up with the, the, with the phrase that relationships are the win. And when I look at Jesus's ministry, I am not sure, and this, maybe this is the COVID talking. I'm not sure if getting followers was necessarily the win or a long relationship that leads to following was the win. Right. And I think that, and it's different for Jesus. We, we can't control if someone follows Jesus. All we can do is control how we respond to them in the moment. Are we showing them grace if they're struggling? Are we showing them love? Are we being present in their life? And so, you know, we, we really started, and it's, it shaped my life. It's really changed how I navigate. Now I'm in the private sector. So like how I navigate the private sector, like relationships, are the win. And I think I say that with confidence now because relationships are a glimpse of heaven. But it's interesting because heaven is supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be comfortable. But relationships are not easy. Relationships are not comfortable. And what we came to the conclusion was, man, Sunday mornings are a terrible spot for relationships. Sunday mornings for just an hour when in reality, you're only talking for about 40 seconds while the band gets keyed up right. You know, as they say, good morning to each other in the morning. That's a terrible spot for relationships. So for us, if we think a key part of heaven is relationships, then how can we bring relationships uh, to a Sunday morning? And we wrestled through that, uh, through that a bunch. Yeah, and I, it's funny, as you're talking, I'm thinking of like this pressure that comes in when everything revolves around a then, yeah. right? And it's, and it's this awareness that like, I'd like to have a relationship with you, but I, I need you to like, I need you to get to a destination. Like I need you to get to a certain place. Yeah. I need you to get baptized. I need you to, you know, uh, make a, make a profession. And then like when you get your, cause all these things interlock together. Right. Like when you when you have a sacred space and you have, you know, a, a sacred time, it creates all this pressure to get all the variables right so that you can, you know, again, the portal opens and, you know, God's yeah. happy and whatever. But heaven here now, you know, frees it up because you just look at Jesus and it's exactly what you talked about. 
he's able to meet people in their now. Yeah. Right. A woman caught in adultery, uh, you know, a lady who, you know, has had all these, uh, you know, five different husbands. And so many people were like, yeah, you're going to need to clean that up. And maybe we can connect down the road, you know, then Zacchaeus, a guy who's, you know, a, you know, a tax collector and, you know, hated by everybody else. It's like, if you change, maybe then we can connect. But so much of Jesus's message is just, it, it opens it up to meet people right now. And I think that now change is huge uh, because it, like you said, it, it makes relationships the priority. Mm. You know, it just says, it says, regardless of where you're at, like right now, we can, you know, God's spirit can kind of come in here and, you know, we don't have to change and become something that we're not. He accepts yep. me exactly as I am right here. So I think when we, when we set up, I don't know, this is, when we set up some guiding posts, like phrases, like relationships are the wind, it began to chip away at all and letting go of religion and rediscovering Jesus. It began to like chip away at what we thought we knew. And I don't know for you, man, it, it was, someone was really tough to let yeah. go. I, I know it was, it was absolutely the, the people that were, that were with us along the journey. I mean, it, it was tough because it's ingrained and we like it. Like, there's Sunday morning stuff I like. Yeah. I you know I love when my kids come out of uh, childcare and tell me how awesome, you know, well, whatever they learned. And, and I love when the music's great and, and all that stuff. And, um, but I think those that when we set those guiding posts that said, okay, relationships, to the win, letting go of Je uh, religion, rediscovering Jesus, those types of things like allowed us to navigate the rough waters as we started to let go of religion and rediscover Jesus. Do you have any more of those guiding posts, like things that, that really helped you along the way? Yeah, I mean, a couple of them. Some of the ones that I've come back to, that I come back to again and again is, I love the um, I love the one that's made its way out of the back of our GoDay shirts, that, that we're here to help. Yeah. Like our, it just reminds me about how, it's kind of where we started. Like you can pick, you can pick the story that you're going to live in. And if you believe that we're here to escape, right, <laughs> right, um, that's 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 going to tell a story, and that, yeah. that story is going to play itself out. But like when I'm reminded that our purpose, like my purpose here in the world, um, is to partner with God's Spirit to to make this place better, hmm. um, starting with my place, like that God. That's always what God is saying to me. You know, he meets me in my here and now. And he's like, dude, I'm just here to help. Yeah. You know, like, I, I, don't, I don't care that your life is, you know, I don't care that you're stressed. I don't care that you just, you know, yelled at your kids. I don't care that your stupid dogs keep going around your, you know, right. feet and fighting. Like, it's okay. I'm, I am here. I want to come into your life and just help you be better. And, and that, like, I want to bring heaven here now i want i want to you know feel like infuse this experience with hope um it's so wild how it changes things like just that these simple ideas yeah i think that reminds me I, I got two that came to my head one is every everybody's a pastor to someone so one of the tensions you have in the church world is like people coming to you to have all the answers i remember i had a a, a teenager who was struggle struggling with homosexuality and the mom 
uh, brought the teenager to me and it was just like a, a really rough experience. And um, this it was actually both parents and the, the father was like, hey, if, if um, you know, I want you to talk this person out of this. And I was just like, I'm not going to do that. And I had the conversation like, you, you know, your, your child has uh, the same, has the ability to access the same Holy Spirit that I do. And I want to walk with them through that, this person, and, and we'll come out the other side and, and we'll figure this thing out together. But I, I do not want to be in the position of replacing the Holy Spirit for someone else. I just don't yes. want to do it. Right. And when early on in seminary, like that was what I was being trained to do. I right. was supposed to have all the answers. And it feels good to have all the answers, but man, I, I, looking now, I definitely don't want. So one of the sayings was everyone's a pastor to someone, what kind of pastor you're going to be. The other one is the Jesus thing. And I think this one really helps when Jesus stand outside the temple and his disciples are like, man, look at how great this is. Look how grand this is. We've rebuilt the temple. This place is amazing. It's so holy. Like you think about that, like think about every church that you're standing in, like, man, we all have those stories like, this is awesome. We did this. Like, this is so cool. This is evidence that God is blessing us. All that yeah. stuff is right there in the disciples' language. Jesus, Jesus, look at this temple. Look how great, look how grand the stones are. Basically saying, Jesus, that God has blessed us. It's evident here. And Jesus says what? He says, I'm going to, there's not going to be one stone left standing on another. It's all going to come falling down. It's all going to come falling down. And it did come falling down. And it's like, in my mind, it's like, man, the temple was the only, the, the only church building that had instructions that God actually gave us. <laughs> right. And they yeah. thought they had it right. And God said, I'm going to tear that thing down. What on earth am I doing planting my flag in any sort of institution, man-made created thing that, I, you know, that I've planted my flag in for so long. So as we went along this, anytime I would come up to the, that temple thing for me, I would think back to Jesus saying, you know, I'd be like, Jesus, hey, look how great this is. Look at our, look at this. I got Jesse singing. I mean, this is some awesome music here. This ain't like that other music down the road. We're doing some great stuff. And, you know, in my mind, I just imagine Jesus saying, yeah, I'm going to tear that down too. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. There's something more here. You want a relationship. If the relationships, if we're saying the relationship is the win for us, I would imagine for God, the relationship is is probably the win. At least that's the evidence that we see in, in scripture. Well, it's and I think this is a you know a good place to end because one of the other, we've gone through several of our things. <laughs> and one of the ones that that really has been a guiding thing for us from the very beginning was this idea of empowered believers changing the ah, world. That is a good one. And I still think, and I think this is where so much of our conversations, you know, kind of come back to, like the only reason God tore down that perfect, you know, ordained temple um, was because he had a better one. Yep. And I still have to wrap my mind. And I love what you said is like, I don't, it's not my job to be the Holy Spirit for somebody else. It is my job to help someone discover the Holy Spirit inside of them to like realize that there's a voice and there's power that is available here and now. You don't have to do anything. You have to yeah. pray, pray a special prayer. You don't have to get like a priest to, you know, do holy water. Like it, it comes from believing that it's there. Hmm. And that's just so wild. And I think it's continually revolutionary i think that's what i'm excited about about this podcast is it's you know the more that we can share this idea um that 
I believe and you believe, and I think there's so many people believe that we will experience heaven there then yeah. one day. And that's awesome, right? But I know that all of the things that we're going to talk about and care about and celebrate when we're there are about what we did to bring heaven here now. Yeah. And uh, hmm. so, man, it's just, it's cool. I don't think, uh, I remember me and you sitting down in a coffee shop, you know, gosh, it was probably like 10 years ago at this point. I don't even yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we, we had a similar conversation, but we thought it was going to look one way. Yep. And um, it looks totally different, but I don't know about you. Uh, I kind of love where it's gone. Yeah. I remember all I said was like, dude, all I want to do is work in a church. What a stupid <laughs> statement. <laughs> Naive, but I'm so out. glad I did because man, it's, it's, uh, you know, when you, when you, parts of yourself is dying on the other side of there's life and there's freedom. It's been a blast, man. And I'm, I'm excited to think about what all the next stuff that's, uh, that's going to come is going to look like. So thanks for lending your voice to this and, uh, and whatever else comes up from here. Absolutely. I'm always available. I am excited to see where this podcast goes. All right. Peace out, buddy. Appreciate it. Peace you. out.